Welcome to the show, How to Build a Tent, the podcast on how to make you successful. We are part of the FLF Network, Fight, Laugh, Feast. I got the shirt on because I got blocked by tons of people on Twitter, or I found out I got blocked by tons of people on Twitter. And that's just encouraging. Honestly, some people, you know, they get sad. Oh, people don't want to hear from me. But I find it incredibly encouraging because that means I'm bugging the people I'm going after. Bugging the people I'm going after. We should understand our goals, understand why we're doing things, even on social media, and realize what success actually looks like. And in the Twitter world, blocking people that you are mocking for their foolish sin, their love of this world, are all great reasons to be blocked and to celebrate that fact. So praise God for that. I hope you guys had a great three-day weekend. I sure did. Oh, my goodness. I hope that we are all working so hard that those days are sweet. You know, when you are back in your sports days and you would just be running, you'd be training and you would just get that drink of water and it was the sweetest water you would ever, hopefully, hopefully it was not the sweetest water you've ever had. I mean, it could be pretty bad water, but you know what I mean? Water tastes so much better after a hard day work and I hope that you guys are hustling, working hard for the kingdom. The days are short. We got to redeem the times. And I pray that we are working in such a way that those days off come as sweet relief. Not that you are not joyful at your work. Not that you are hating what you do. But that that rest is sweet. I got to build or fix my garage door, replace my garage door opener, clean my garage out, and I wash my truck, which I may never do again. That is really hard. It's the first time I've ever washed my truck. Not that my first time my truck's ever been washed, but first time I washed it. And it is a whole different ball game from washing a car. Oh my goodness. I thought it would be fun with my kid because he loves water to come and let him play in it. But to wash a whole car without water spots... That takes, that takes, you know, keep washing. You got to almost do it in parts like you're waxing, but doing it for washing. Anyways, it's neither here nor there. But I do want to talk about something interesting about that, that I discovered from going and fixing my garage door opener. Um, But before we do, I want to talk about, well, I should tell you what we're going to talk about today. So I want to talk about why you should look at the bad things in a positive way. And that's related to my garage door opener story. And then also we're going to go through a Paul Krugman clip with Seth Meyers on The Late Show. Which Seth Meyers is basically just a talking head for the liberal media news outlets. He just toes the party line. He doesn't think. He has nothing intelligent to say. He just says whatever the left is saying at the time. And that's all he does. But Paul Krugman is my... Hmm, how should we say this? It's my Russell Moore. To, so to what Russell Moore is to A.D. Robles, which if you don't listen to him, you got to listen to the show. To <laughs> what Russell, Russell Moore is to A.D. Robles, Paul Krugman is to me. He is by far the most erroneous, incorrect economist alive. He, uh, we'll get into it in a second. But anyways, I... Just his appearance on there was so absurd. It was so absurd. I couldn't not talk about it. We have to point this out because I fear that people, the left, is hearing this. Oh, he's an economist. Oh, he won a Nobel Peace Prize. 
he must be really smart. And even though he's saying things that are patently, patently um, false, but he's saying them. So maybe I just don't understand and he's right. So I want to talk about this, not just because it's fun. It's fun making these intellectuals look like morons. But I want you guys to have the arguments to engage so you can have confidence that these morons and the people that echo what they say, you'll have the facts, all the facts, and you don't have to be scared of them. So many people are scared to get into the game and, you know, say their opinions because people bring these facts and you don't know how to respond to them because you don't know if they're true or not. So we'll get into that today. As well, before we do, you need to go over to KingsmanGroomingPros.com. It's Kingsman Grooming Products. There's a num- There's like a plethora of reasons to support them, to go buy their products. We've talked about a few of them. We always have the three. Christian Company, you already use the products. You might as well support a Christian company with it. They have great quality products. I just officially purchased my last set of things I needed to rotate out and replace with Kingsman Grooming Pros. So come be like me, smell like me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I mean, it's kind of weird saying that. No. Um, but wear the products I wear, support the Christian brothers in Christ that are pursuing God, that are living for his kingdom, get great quality products, and you get 10% off when you use HTBT. So go over there, kingsmangroomingpros.com. Make sure you put in HTBT to get that 10% off. And you will get great products supporting a Christian company. And it's a price that is great along with that. So go over there and check them out. Okay. So one of the things I wanted to talk about before we get into the fun is I, so I put in my garage door opener myself, which was a feat, but it was recording. It was good. And then a couple weeks later, the remote stopped working. I could still use Wi-Fi to open like I did the GPS where if I was leaving my radius, it would close open. And if I came from an outside radius, it would, it would open for me. If I left the radius, it closed. That worked, but the remotes didn't work. So the, the, the radio sequencing, oh my goodness, please don't be one of those days. The radio frequency was not working. So they sent me out a new one and I was kind of bummed about that because it's a lot of work. It takes like half a day, at least for me not knowing how to do this stuff typically it was my first one. So this would be my second, but I noticed something that my garage door was ripping off from not what I did. Thankfully, I mean, it didn't matter really who it was from, but it was ripping off and it needed to be fixed. And I wouldn't even have noticed it if not for that radio frequency, the receiver in the garage door opener to go out. I wouldn't have noticed it. But because of this bad thing, quote unquote, for those of you listening on the podcast, that bad thing that I was really bummed about that I was going to have to spend another half day to fix turned out to save me down the line from the garage door coming off from where the garage door opener holds it and lifts it up, which could be opening it when there's kids playing, when the car's coming by and all this stuff. And that's just a great reminder for us. And this is another advantage. I love pointing these out. The advantages of Christian business owners, Christian people in their careers, Christian, you know, people working their careers is that we don't have this like ambiguous, oh, if you just have positive energy, it's just going to work out for you. Or, oh, if you just have positive thoughts and realization, it's the secret, quote unquote, some kind of Buddhist mysticism. 
but it's, we have faith that God is working all things out for good. Now, this is just an example of it in a small microcosm kind of way, anecdotal. But I want us all to be thinking this way because even if it's not clear at first, no matter what it is that goes wrong, God is using it for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so when we have these encounters, and I'm preaching to myself here, I'm, I'm talking to myself. I don't know if I should use the word preaching, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm saying I'm, I'm getting all like fired up about this. How much more advantageous would it be for us when these bad things happen? Like, oh, I just got to waste another day off or, oh, I can't believe I just got fired from my job. I can't believe we just got we just got bought out our company. I don't even know when I have my job. Oh, the, you know, the sales aren't coming in this month like I projected for my business. Whatever it is, what if we had the immediate response to not go and be fearful, not go to be angry and respond in the flesh, but would say, okay, God, what do you want me to take from this? What do you want me to do? How can I glorify you in this situation? What are you trying to show me? What is broken that I need to fix that I wouldn't have seen unless you put me in this situation? What can I benefit you? What can I, what can I bless you with? What can I do for the kingdom of God from all this? How can I make my company better? Like, what are you trying to show me? How are you trying to get me to move, to change, to, to shift, whatever it is. And just having that mindset is so advantageous for us to have. And it's again, it's not this positive energy, but it's being positive of the one who's in control. It's not, I'm going to will myself out of this. It is, I'm going to surrender to you, God. And what are you going to do in this situation? Because I do not believe God that you put me here to ultimately fail but that you are building me up. You are making me more like you. You are you're creating and shaping and being a potter. You're creating this vessel in this circumstance, in this edge, this handle, whatever it is. I am just going to trust you. And I'm going to, instead of waste energy, waste time, being mad, being bitter, complaining to my coworkers, complaining to you know my business partner, I'm going to be positive about it. And just having that attitude, I guarantee you, you'll be more effective. I guarantee it. Okay, let's get into this Paul Krugman clip. Now, I, I took the, this clip at the end and put it in the front because I want to define the terms. He, he's going to start talking about climate change and tax cuts and stuff. And he's going to say this argument. He says it all the time in his articles. He says it here. And I want you to understand and I want you to believe me of what he means by that by what he says at the end. And I want to play it now because you know me when I have clips, I go on and then I run out of time and we never get to it. So I'm bringing this to the beginning for you to see this. And then the rest, it goes in order. And this is what I want you to understand is when he says tax cuts don't pay for themselves, what he's referring to is if a tax cut happens, that is the rate goes down. So if you're taxing people, let's just say 15%, it becomes 10%. Paying for itself would mean that the revenue would not go down. It doesn't necessarily have to go up. It just has to be even or above. That is what a paying for a tax cut means. 
okay? So if I drop my percentage down 10% to 10% from 15 to 10%, and let's just say at 15%, my revenue from taxes, the tax money I got was 20 million. If I drop them down to 10%, then paying for itself would mean that I would still have to collect $20 million. And we've talked about this before because this is a common argument from the left is that tax cuts don't pay for themselves, right? That every time you are making a tax cut, it's the government has to pay for it. It's running up the deficit. It's all doing all these things. We've talked about that before. So that's what it is. And that's what he means. And I want to show you this clip to prove this is what he means. The thing was that Bush, you know, a little business about lying us to war and that sort of thing. But the, uh, um, but aside from that, they were a little bit, they were a little, Can you tell how bitter they are about that? They were a little that? bit careful. They didn't actually make outlandish claims about uh, about tax cuts paying for themselves. They came up with other rationales. Uh, you know, the government's collecting too much money, or he's saying is they they didn't they didn't say it was going to pay for themselves. They they said it in another way that you know the the government's pay, collecting too much money. Okay, so that proves what he is talking about because he's going to look really stupid, and you're going to be thinking, oh my gosh, he's a really smart guy. He's an economist. He's a Nobel Peace Prize winner. He is not that stupid, right? Nope, he is. And I'm just proving it. I'm just, let's define terms here. What he's saying is that tax cuts paying for themselves means that revenue cannot go down, that the revenue has to stay the same or in increase for a tax cut to pay for itself. Okay? Now let's do this. I, I have to ask you this. As an economist... I imagine people all the time, uh, friends, family, ask you uh, to give them investment advice, ask you to predict the future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you tell them when they ask you that? I tell them, I don't know. That's, that's great. He, <laughs> I don't know. That's exactly what he should say because he is wrong every single time. He's wrong about economics. He's wrong about health care. He's wrong about climate change. He's wrong about liberalism. He's wrong about the government. He's wrong about taxes. He's wrong about everything. And at least he tells them he doesn't know. So why is he talking? And he goes on to say no one else knows. But still, if you don't know, why are you talking? Which is also scary. <laughs> if no one knows what's going to happen, then why do we have a small group of economists controlling our economy think about that what is it about uh, uh economics that makes it so hard to predict okay first of all it's you know think about weather weather prediction is you know so so because it's an incredibly complex system but at least it's physics right and economics is all of that plus it's about people so uh so it's just it's just inherently most of the time you know once in a while you can see something that's really clear and i housing bubble. Okay, that was crazy, and it's, something bad was going to happen when it burst. But most of the time, it's this enormous system. You know, there, there's a rule. Everything in the economy affects everything else in at least two ways. And so, uh, so being able to tell you whether GDP growth will be 1.5 or 2.5% next year, nobody could do that. We have a Fed right now who's trying to control inflation by percentage points that he's talking about with GDP. What do you think is harder to predict, GDP or inflation? Well, I have to say, they're both pretty hard to to predict. Okay, so did you catch here, though, this guy, super climate activist, radical, said, you know, it's like the weather. We don't really know the weather. But then they're going to, you know, 
preach this gospel of global warming and how we need to save the planet by taxing everyone and all this stuff. It's not about global warming. It's not about global warming. He even admits that we don't know about the weather and that's physics. And we don't know about economics because people are involved. And this is so true. And this is the power of free market capitalism. This is the power of letting the invisible hand work because no one person can know what billions of people are doing, but billions of people can know what a few people or a few markets are doing. It's statistics and it's averages and percentages. That's why central, centrally planned governments, like he advocates for Paul, Paul Krugman, he's, he's a socialist, he's a, he's a communist, he's a, he's a left winger, and he might not say he is, but he is because he votes Democrat, and that's what you progress towards, communism. And he doesn't know, he admits it, weather and economics, you don't know him, it's two-factor, you know, for every two causes or whatever he says, he doesn't know what he's talking about, guys. Okay, now, this next part, he's going to go into how they don't pay for themselves, and if you're watching, or if you're listening to the show, and I put it up for your watching, I put the receipts, how much revenue we brought in on his face. Just as you could hear him lying, you could hear him BSing us, and you could see the data, the facts, the facts. Because remember, we define the terms, his own words, to pay for themselves means the revenue has to match or exceed what it was before the tax cut happened. So this uh, argument with zombies, you've talked uh, in your columns over the years about these zombie ideas, meaning that they are ideas that will not die in regards to uh, economics. And, and the two that uh, keep coming back are uh, climate change, denialism, and all more importantly, uh, cutting taxes for the wealthy. Yeah, not more importantly, but more commonly. So the big, yes. the big political zombie in, in, in America is the belief that cutting taxes on the wealthy is magic and will pay for itself. And, uh, and it has a success rate of exactly zero after many, but nonetheless is basically official doctrine for the Republican Party. He just said that the success rate is zero. Now he says, you know, for the rich, but there was a tax cut for a lot of people. He's just mix, mischaracterizing it, which we shouldn't believe anything he says. He's always wrong and he's intentionally lying about it. It's not just that he's wrong. He's intentionally telling you lies. And yet he's published. You see him on Yahoo Finance. You see him published all over the place. He just read this book where it's two like, myths that zombies that never die. Climate change and the economics. But the great thing about economics is we have data. You know, the climate change, you can't say like, oh, obviously in 50 years, it's not going to be warmer or colder or whatever it is for the day. Because we don't know. It's in 50 years. He said weather is really hard to predict. But we have the data for tax cuts. And if you can see, I put up on his face for most of that clip, 2016, we took in $3.27 trillion in revenue. In 2017, we took $3.32 trillion and went up. Now, 2018, when the tax cut came in. So if he is telling the truth, if tax cuts don't pay for themselves, it would have to be below $3.32 trillion. We collected 3.33 trillion. What? Oh, so they 
They do pay for themselves. So you are on TV. You're writing articles. You're writing books. You're gaslighting us. You're just repeating the lie over and over again and hoping people don't call you on it. But we have the data. We have the data. You moron. President Trump and the Republican Congress uh, cut taxes for the wealthy. Uh, they went out on television. They told us it would pay for itself. It is not paid for itself. If anything, the deficit is ballooning. Here's the trick. Here's the sleight of hand. I put the clip back up. I put the data back up, too. He, he just said they were all lying. The Republicans, Trump, they were lying. Nope, they weren't. But the deficits did go up. So, Matt, what are you talking about? That's like saying, hey, if we lower the price, we're going to increase sales. But then someone argues, oh, you didn't really increase sales because our costs went up. Well, those are two different arguments. If you lower the price, you're going to increase sales, but your costs may go up. If you lower your tax rates when they're so high, according to the Laffer curve, and according to data, according to historical data, according to the facts, when you lower tax rates, your tax income goes up because productivity goes up. But if you spend more money, and again, Trump signed these bills, he did it for many reasons, agree or disagree, but the deficit went up not because tax cuts didn't pay for themselves. See, they're misdirecting, they're lying to you, they're using you, they're taking data that has nothing to do with the argument. It's a red herring. Deficits went up because of our spending went up. If your income goes up $100, but you spend $200 more a month, you're going to have a bigger deficit, or at least you're going to have less money, even though your income went up. So you can't say that your income didn't go up because you had a deficit or because you lost money that month, because spending is that other part of the equation. And these guys aren't idiots. Well, they are, but they're not. They could figure this out. He's an economist. You can't figure out two sides of an equation? Yeah, that's, and that's a lesson, I think, for everybody. <sighs> you know, the, the, uh, we've had a long history now, several decades, in which Democrats, uh, when in power, try to be all responsible and get no, uh, cre no, no credit for it. And uh, Republicans just gleefully run up huge, huge bills. And I've got to say, maybe, uh, you know, next time there's a Democratic president, uh, she or he should be... Uh, prepared to to run some deficits in a good cause i admit the republicans are not the models model governing body that we should be going after right that's why i say i'm conservative not republican i want to conserve the principles of the bible i want to conserve the principles that were our founding fathers laid out for us doesn't mean that things don't need to change. Doesn't mean that we don't need to improve on things, but it's the values and the principles that we're conserving. Now, this moron is talking about just, hey, so maybe because the Democrats are so responsible, they should go crazy. The Democrats are more responsible. Are you kidding me? Do you not remember Obama? Do you not remember how much money he spent? Again, I know Trump's spending tons of money, too. But it's not like the Democrats are Mr. Fiscal Conservatives or, or Mrs., you know, however they identify. And so his bright idea, this Nobel Peace Prize winner, is, oh, maybe the Democrats should just start spending more money. Let's just spend more money. Spend, spend, spend. 
Yes, well, that would be the difference, right? The idea is that with progressive ideas, you can run deficits and actually use that money to pay for things like social services as opposed to putting it back in the pockets of the rich. This is what the talking... Remember, Seth Meyers is a talking head for the liberal left. He doesn't think on his own. He just regurgitates what he's supposed to say. He's not funny. He is not intellectual. He just just regurgitates just in a very boring, unhumorous way. Just, wait, maybe we should just start spending money on social programs instead of giving money to the rich. But we made more money, stupid. We made more money, dummy, from cutting taxes. Idiots. Trump has added about $300 billion a year to the deficit. We, we can actually put a fairly precise number on that. Think of what America would look like if President Obama had been allowed to spend $300 billion a year on infrastructure. Right. Yeah. You know, they, 300 billion a year that we would be, uh, uh, you know, we wouldn't be um, uh, stuck in, the, in that one tunnel under the Hudson River all the time. Right. And uh, <laughs> the uh, so. So now. Oh, man, he's such a good speaker. Man, that intellectual elitist who has a Nobel Peace Prize, who's an economist. I so what I'm saying. I didn't play that clip for that specifically, but my the I want to play this clip because did you see what he said? Well, if they if Obama was able to spend three hundred billion dollars a year in deficit spending, if we could spend more money we didn't have, then New York wouldn't have a one tunnel to go under. This is the danger and what's wrong with federal funding, federal spending. Who uses that tunnel? New Yorkers, New Jersey, wherever the tunnel goes. Who pays for it? All 50 states. Why should somebody in Hawaii, Alaska, California, Washington, Oregon pay for something they never use? See, taxes steal from individuals. Spending steals from states. Spending steals from states because federal spending is taken from all the states and given to specific states, usually for political favors, for rewards, for buyouts, for payoffs, for all of these things. That is a big problem. Okay. I, I know we're going a little late. I just having fun. Corporations aren't even using the money. They're just using it to buy back stock. So the deficits themselves don't do a whole lot of harm, but think of what we could be doing with that money. Again, buybacks, another thing that um, liberals say and are idiotic and moronic things to say. What do stock buybacks do? A company takes their cash, buys stock because they believe it's cheap, cheaper than it's going to be in the future. They buy it back. And what happens? Because there's less of it, the stock price goes up. Who benefits from that? Anyone with a 401k? Anyone with a pension? Anybody who's invested in the stock market? It's more than just rich people. It's more than just the company. When the stock prices go up, more than just the company benefits. It's like they want us to fail. It's like they want our stock prices to tank. It's disgusting. Okay, one more and then we'll close. The funny thing, the tax cuts don't pay for themselves. Um, child nutrition, uh, child uh, health care for children, those do pay for themselves because they lead, to, uh, in, in the long run, they lead to healthier, more productive adults who end up paying more taxes. So it's, it's actually, we've got the wrong, you know, we've, we're, we're doing voodoo on the wrong front here. I, I put the stats up for there, it's the same stat, that the revenue has gone up over and over again, even though they're saying 
the opposite. And they say that that's voodoo, but using deficit spending to pay for health care for children in the long run is going to make us more money because they're going to pay more taxes than if we didn't pay for their health care. And that's not voodoo math, but the voodoo math is the actual data that we have that tax revenues went up with the tax cuts in rates. It's absolutely insane. They're insane. They're liars. They're morons. They're fools. We shouldn't be listening to them. And we shouldn't be fearful and scared to fight and argue with them. And I don't mean fight like punch them in the face. That guy's a tweeb. I'm talking about fighting intellectually. We shouldn't be scared. They're not that smart. I don't care what school they went to. I don't care who they write for. When they're advocating for these stupid policies, they're not smart arguments, and we can defeat them. So let's do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless. God bless.